Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. I'm Michael Morgan, this is Shots Fired. Alongside me are the crew with their holsters and pistols at the ready. It's Kairos and Chisanga. What's going on, fellas? I'm all good, Mike. How are you? I'm exceptionally well, actually. I am, uh, I, I, I'm intrigued and beguiled by the things that we've got on the docket this week. As you can see, I'm beaming from ear to ear because I can't wait to get into them. So, uh, how about yourself, Kairos? What's going on, brother? I'm doing well. The weather is terrible, but that's not stopping me today. You're always rocking those really interesting t-shirts. What's this one now? This is a Sistine Chapel where um, yeah. God is touching me. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I saw it in the store. I'm like, no one's rocking that. I'm artistic. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I, I'm definitely with that. Definitely cool, with man. that. I, I went to the Sistine Chapel uh, 2016 and yeah, yes, the Catholic Church is mired in controversy, and I think that needs to be talked about. But being in the Vatican was—it was like awe-inspiring. It's it like one of those things that I think you just need to take off. And the Sistine Chapel in itself is amazing. But they—they they say to you, in, so when you're inside there, you can't take any photos. Like you're not allowed to. Take really? Any, yeah, yeah. They don't want you to take any photos. But I was fucking snapping on the slide. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna go all that way to. to um, to, to, to the to the home of Christianity and not like have a, a, a memento. But, All right, yeah, I'm, I'm digressing. Mr. That's it, Chisanga. Just crime stopper yourself. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kicking things off, we had Bellator two six seven this past weekend, and MVP had his hand aloft victorious. Now. For me, it was a very, very close fight, but I scored it for MVP. The reason for raising it and the reason for bringing it to the table, with all the um, accusations of him fighting cans, with all the accusations of him not being worthy because he hasn't actually fought the best of the best, I'm curious, I'm perplexed actually, that he fought the best of the best now twice because I do rate Douglas Lima. What is it going to take for people to take away the stigma, take away the, the, the stench of him supposedly fighting cans and him supposedly not being worthy? Because I think it's high time that they gave him his props, they gave him his due. He's a spectacular athlete. And my question to you is this, what does he have to do to actually prove he's worthy? Chisanga. Yeah, um, I had the pleasure of being Kate side for, for that fight, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to think. Who, who was I sat next to? I was sat next to... Um, oh, I was sat next to, 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 to Lee from MMA Crazy and, and Louise, and they saw my reactions when MVP dropped Lima for the first time. I was like, on my feet like this and whatever. Totally unprofessional. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, what's it going to take for for people to start giving MVP his flowers? I mean, sadly, 
it this 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 notion of him fighting Kansas, you said, is deeply entrenched into in, into mixed martial arts fans. And one thing that people need to remember is that Michael can only fight who's put in front of him, and most importantly, who is willing to take the fight. That, mm. that that's one big thing that mm. I think people forget when they're when they're trying to say that oh yeah MVP just fights Kansas. And if you actually go back and you and you look at some of the people who he's fought uh, as of late, obviously he's fought um, Lima most recently, but he also fought um, he, he beat undefeated Cage Warriors former welterweight champion Ross Houston, who's Ross Houston. No, no slouch in, in his. Mm. Uh, in his last in his last fight, and I think if people did just do their research and realize, oh yeah, he did just hand Ross's uh, is uh, is his first loss in mixed martial arts. They'd realize that he's not he's, he's not a can crusher, and he is he is stepping up in, in competition who who he's facing. But I think that just it, it just doesn't go with the narrative. The, this narrative that's out there that's MVP's uh, so called can crusher or, or mm. what have you, and even some of the other people that he's fought earlier. I mean. Um, Pretty sure we yeah we were both at Bellator 200, Mike, when he fought Dave Rickles. Remember, yeah, Dave Rickles, that's right. Who he embarrassed Rickles? He embarrassed Rickles, and I think Rickles at the time. I don't know if this stat still uh, holds true. I think he had the most fights in Bellator history, like he wow. most most appearances in Bellator history. Certainly at that time, uh, so that was in May 2018. Dave Rickles, the the, the caveman, no slouch, no slouch whatsoever, um, and he he embarrassed him, absolutely embarrassed him. So it annoys me that this notion is still bandied about that MVP is a can crusher. But what it's going to take, it's it's going to take for him just to to to, to fight the champion. That's that's the that's the only thing, and, and to fight can, the champion. Can, can I just jump in and just remind us all, albeit that it was a stinger of a, of a performance, but this is the um, you know potential champion who turned Paul Daly into a wrestler. This is a person who actually holds a win over a KO specialist known for shutting people's lights out. I mean, let's not, you know, paper over the fact that he did beat Paul, Paul Daly. No, of course. Yeah, of course. I completely forgot about Paul Daly. Mm. Exactly. And if uh, and if you're calling Paul Daly a can, then you really don't know anything about, uh, about the sport. But... Uh, yeah, as, as I said, it's gonna it's gonna take MVP to get the title to to beat um, Yaroslav Amosov to uh, to, to, uh, to to for him to get be given his dues or for him to sleep Douglas Lima in in a trilogy fight, which as we all know that's what he wants right now. And I I, I commend him for for taking that um, for 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 taking that approach because I know in, immediately in the octagon he said I've got my eyes on the prize. There's words that affect that. Yes, I mean, we wanted the, the title shot next, but. After he calmed down, and he came back uh, backstage for the post fight interview. He's like, "No, actually, I I, I want to run it back. I want I want closure. I want to. I don't want there to be any any doubt that I'm the better fighter than Douglas Lima. And I think if he if he goes out there and, and he beats him uh, again, then you you can't you can't deny him and you can't call him a, a can crusher. Kairos. Michael Vinopage is a victim of his own success. When you go out there and just eviscerate people in an organization that most people aren't watching. I'll give you an example. Most MMA fans are only UFC fans. So when you go out there and do that, people are trying to reach for some sort of understanding of what they're watching and witnessing. And to them, that understanding is, oh, he must be fighting cans because I'm not familiar with them. And also because he's wiping the fucking floor with them. I literally argued with someone for eight hours straight in a space is about how not eight hours. So it was four hours straight about how Michael Venom page would beat Damian Maya right now. 
40-year-old Damian Maia, and they just, they were not having it. And that's exactly the problem right now. It went from Douglas Lima being a guy who could contend with the top five of the UFC welterweight division to as soon as Michael Venom Page beating him, it's like, oh, he definitely ain't beating no one in the top 10 now. And now, Michael, like, there is nothing Michael Venom Page can do for the mainstream MMA fan besides actually go to the UFC and fight, unfortunately for him. It's not fair. It's not right. I even made a joke about Michael Venom Page less than an hour ago just to prove a point. I said, I got to stop filling out job application forms on Indeed.com. I got to fight Michael Venom Page next month. Indeed.com is a website where you can apply for jobs. And I, I, I was like, it's going to hit because people don't like Michael Venom Page or they think that he is a can crusher. I knew that I knew what I was playing and I was playing off of that. It's not true. Do I believe it? No. But fact of the matter is, most of the MMA fan base believes it. And the only way for that to get away from him is if he leaves Bellator and fights in the UFC and wins and gets a ranking. And I guarantee you, he could even make it to rank number 15, 14, 13. People are still going to say that until he breaks the top 10. It's unfortunate. It's bullshit. But that's the MMA landscape. I agree with you, Karis, because I remember the narrative uh, after Gegard Musasi joined Bellator. I remember the narrative that, oh, yeah, yep. Gegard is not that good, blah, 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 blah. But Gegard was on, like, a was he on, like, a three-fight win streak? Um, his, his last fight, he beat Weidman. Weidman uh, there was, remember, there was the, the apparent controversy that Weidman's hand was down, but it, took, it proved that it wasn't in that fight. Yeah, he was on a good, solid three, three or four-fight win streak, arguably... At, at, at that time, probably the top five middleweights in the world. And then after he goes and has one or two fights in Bellator, oh no, he well he's fighting he's fighting bums in uh, in Bellator. He's, he's he's not he's not as good as everybody else. It's it's a shame because, I mean, again, as you said, sadly, and this just uh, this just goes to show you how well the UFC have monopolized mixed martial arts as a sport. If you ain't in the UFC, you ain't shit. That that's mm-hmm. that that's sadly the um the, the the facts of the situation, which. I mean, it's it's, it's going to take years and years and years, and well, and well, I don't know for a billionaire to say buy Bellator and to put them on par with the UFC for the for that narrative to change. But yeah, as you said, Michael Michael's a victim of his own success, sadly. But and I do agree with the notion that him take him to jump into the UFC for that to change. But um, and I'm pretty sure, actually, off the top of my head, I think. If memory serves me correctly, I was speaking to somebody close in the team, and I think he's got, I think he's got two or three more fights left on that contract of Bellator. Three more! Wow. Yeah. That's but, what but, but the thing is, as well, but we we know how active he likes to be, though. Mm. He, like, there was one year that I think he fought like four, or maybe even five times. I can't remember. I think it was four. I think it was a four. So you never like. Uh, I don't think it'll be too long. I don't think it'll be too long. And plus, he's managed by Paradigm, and they know what they're doing. So, I mean, that route to the UFC is there, and I think it's only a matter of time before he uh, he's in the octagon wearing wearing the snake uniform, <laughs> which would be quite fitting for him, obviously, because he does the cobra, the snake cobra thing. So he would, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Kyrus Bodley. Oh my goodness. Will Harris tweeted today. He opened up. I didn't know this shit. So if anybody knows this shit and wants to call me like a fair weather fan, whatever, I didn't know this shit. But Will Harris is the person who originally filmed Conor McGregor with the dolly hitting the bus on the inside. And I think he also had rights to the footage on the outside as well. But on the inside, for certain, he had rights to the footage. 
And when it all went down, he surrendered that footage to the UFC, who then used it for millions and millions of dollars of promotion for their event for Conor McGregor's return, for storylines of other events. They were showing it on YouTube. They were showing it at this. Every single person who is a fan of mixed martial arts has seen this footage. And today he tweeted he didn't make a dime off of it. <laughs> he didn't make a penny off of it. Wow. And he was like, he was like, this is one of the biggest things I'm salty about. It's been years and I still haven't been compensated. And you know those Twitter activists who who tweet Dana at Dana White, pay the man. Bitch, you think he's gonna pay him after four years just because you sent a tweet? What the fuck is wrong with you people? He ain't getting no fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> Here, my question is this, okay, if you were in his position, in retrospect, what would have been the better course of action? Would you try and parlay that footage to the UFC for compensation? Would you try and sell it to a media outlet like TMZ, like whatever else they have? What would you, or would you have just sat on it for years and years and years and then be like, 2021, guys, I have unreleased footage of X, Y, and Z, look at, um... Check it out on my Patreon, YouTube, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, how would you have maneuvered through that? Because a lot of people seem to be experts in this guy's comment section. Well, well, you played yourself. If you're ever good at something, never do it for free. Oh, well, I guess you learned a valuable lot. There's so many fucking Twitter experts who think they know everything and think they know how to maneuver, but they don't know shit. So I want to know what you guys' opinions are on the subject. And let's go with Mr. Morgan first. This is something that I have experience of. I I have to say, pre-pandemic, spent a lot of time doing backstage, um, behind the scenes, access all areas type um, reportage. So a lot of what went down backstage, I have to say, was heartwarming. Some of it was edge of the seats, uh, edge of the pants stuff. If you want to see any of that, head over to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash woe tv but i had one said promotion who actually approached me to um commandeer the footage so that they could use it in their um i think they wanted to use it either in a trailer or some kind of like uh pre-fight promotion i said bitch better have my money i wasn't prepared to release the footage until i got (laughs) stop stop trying to guess now i wasn't prepared to release the footage unless i got properly recompensed for it so much so that i didn't end up releasing the footage because i felt it was worth more i'd rather it sit in my can unreleased because of the fact that it was so warm and so um tasty than to be shirked or to be shanked, sorry, out of peas. I think that's the utmost disrespectful outcome. I'd rather it sit doing nothing than to get paid nothing and to see it doing the rounds. So that is what I would have done if I was Will. I would say up front, okay, down payment. How much are we talking here? Boom, done deal. That's Man's gonna ask for a hundred bags up front, you know. Electric. <laughs> that's a conservative. I that's think a conservative. I, it's Connor. Yeah, it's yes. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. A hundred, a hundred thousand dollars up front. Mm-hmm. That's what I would. A hundred. But 
I, I, I can see the. Uh, I can, I can just see how it how it would have played out. There would have been there would have been pressure applied from the UFC, and in particular, uh, with uh, with reference to to access and and what future access and and, and what have you, and potentially that's why why Will surrendered uh, or surrendered the, the the footage. But I mean, how would I have handled it? Uh, yeah, but it's. It's easy to say, yeah, I, um, I, I would, I would completely keep it to myself. But I, from from my knowledge, this is Will's only job. This is this is his source of income. This, this is his everything. So this uh, the potential threat of not being given access, and I'm not saying the UFC did this. Um, I'm just putting out a hypothetical. The potential, the potential yeah, exile that he'd be in would. Uh, would, would, well, if if that was me, it would make me contemplate being like, "Fuck it, I'll just get, I'll just hand it over or, or what have you," and or at at least ask for like a like a credit. I don't know if they even gave him a credit because you know sometimes like in the countdowns and stuff like that, when say they take audio or they take video interviews, they put oh, uh, courtesy of MMA fighting or courtesy of uh, MMA junkie or what have you. I don't even think that happened with uh, with 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 the Dolly footage. So yeah, I mean. That he has a right to be pissed. <laughs> like he really has a right to be pissed. So speaking of actually, like, well, he he must have put this tweet out there because of uh, the timing. But it's three years since Conor Khabib. Now it's, it's three years tomorrow. Oh. It's three or three years today for uh, the listeners listening. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I would. Yeah, man, it's I I don't in any way, shape, or form begrudge him for giving out that footage. I mean because. Again, the potential pressure and the potential banishment, and like we all know, when you get banished from the UFC, it, it's, it's it's banishment would have uh, <laughs> would have made him would, would have made him question well, would have made him think of his entire career and the potential would have think of his entire career. It would have potentially scuppered his entire career. I know he does a lot of things where he goes behind camps, and that's uh, the, the, well, those are my favorite videos of him when he goes in and does. Uh, he basically embeds himself with the fighters for like a week or so, but yeah, it's pretty shit that um, I don't even want to fathom. And I'm sure he probably knows how many millions of views the 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 the, the, the clips have garnered. But that potential revenue, like I mean, even if he was given like just like five, not even five percent, even if gave him like like two or three percent of like all the, uh, all the revenue made from it that would be suitable recompense, uh, but that, that ain't going to happen. And it's, it's shady as fuck that that hasn't. I, I beg to differ on one point that you raised there in terms of um, why he would have handed over the footage because of access. If you look at Will's greatest work, it takes place not in fight week, but in the lead up. He has some phenomenal behind the scenes in terms of prep footage, but the on-week stuff is kind of like replicated what they're doing in Embedded anyway. The exclusive access he gets is in the run-up. So I hate to say this, Will, and I love your work, but you played yourself. You played yourself because you've now come out after all this time and are talking about it after the fact. The energy, the the kind of like uh, them should have been given out before that footage was handed over and okay it's all very well and good to say this um in hindsight but come on we know how big and and what traction that connor had at that time 
So he was in a very strong position in which he could actually negotiate, him being the only camera person to have captured it. So, Will, it's unfortunate, and I feel for you, my brother, um, it goes without saying that perhaps, perhaps kind of edging towards an online campaign that gets you what you should be paid Maybe the route you need to go down right now. Yeah, potentially. I'm just looking at the um, at, at, at the figures. So I don't know if Will got some money from TMZ for him. He must he, he, he must have uh, to a certain extent because, as you said, he uh, had rights of footage inside and outside. So I don't know if he had an alternative cameraman with him at that time. But the TMZ video has 7.4 million views, Oof. and the UFC 223 embedded uh, episode five which uh, the thumbnail is of Connor doing <laughs> doing that, has 8.2 million views, which, I mean, that's 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 cheddar. That's, that's just the people who directly used it. There's there's people who make promos for events themselves. No, on oh, YouTube. of course, oh, of course, yeah. You're talking hundreds of millions of views based yeah. off of what you shot. And that's why I'm sitting here like, bro, Three years have elapsed since this. And if this is a ploy for you to either, whether you're looking for credit, whether you're looking for compensation, I think you're way too late to even be starting this shit, bro. Yeah. I think like, I, it's unfortunate you were, in, you were wronged. I'm not trying to like lessen what you've been through and what happened to you, but man, I just, I just think this is, this is, this is like, I'll that give you a scenario. expiring. Yeah, it's like, what do you, this is the statute of limitations. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck you think is going to come from this besides everyone thinking you're just complaining and bitter. And we all know what we think of bitter people in the MMA community. We'll talk about someone who's perceived to be bitter after this, but oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, that's a beautiful, beautiful segue into my, uh, <laughs> into my, uh, my section. And I am not the, uh, the, the bitter person, although with my... Uh, <laughs> My, my passing years nowadays, uh, I'm seeing stuff on social media. Like I'm becoming that old guy that I see, like see shit. And I'm giving it the side eye. I'm like these dumbass kids. Or <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'm not sure if it was last week or if it was immediately after UFC 226. Uh, bloody elbow reporter um, and contributor and uh, opinion. To be honest, he, he really does more mostly opinion pieces. Uh, Trent Reinsmith published an article. Uh, basically, I, I think the premise of it. Um, well, I, I did read it, but I can't, I can't remember all of it off by heart, off the top of my head right now. He basically insinuated that the UFC should probably cut ties with Joe Rogan, and it would be best for the promotion. And additionally, he implied that some of uh, some of Joe's colleagues would be um, would would not be happy with the preferential treatment that he. He's getting and by preferential treatment, referring to him not being present for the last two pay-per-view shows. Now, I think Joe, for the last show, I think he had a hunting trip. And then I can't remember what the, the previous engagement that he had was. And Trent's, uh, well, Trent's uh, point of view and Trent's sentiment was, look, this man is paid to do 12 events a year. He, uh, um, he, sh he should free. He, he should have those weekends free or what have you. And yeah, uh, to say the uh, the article uh, traveled <laughs> would be somewhat of an understatement because I'm even today I'm still seeing uh, people in well former fighters and uh, and uh, and 
of media personalities like like Brendan Schaub talking about this and uh, basically calling it essentially calling it clickbait journalism and defending Joe Rogan to the hill. Um, now, I can understand Trent's point to a certain to a certain extent that yeah, this is this is twelve nights a year that Joe has to um, has to show up and, and, and commentate. And he's not doing the uh, the grind like like I say like a John Anik who's going to brought well, prior to the pandemic who was going to every single event in uh, week in week out. Uh, but where I'm not with him is the fact that Joe also has commitments outside of the octagon, and his main commitment is his comedy. That's that's his uh, that was his bread and butter before the uh, the, the, the UFC, and it's going to be his bread and butter for a long time. I, obviously, the podcasting as well. So I'm with him to a certain extent, but at the same time, we, 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 in fact, I've got, I'll go back to that. Joe has said on numerous and numerous occasions that he books events and it doesn't matter if the UFC then subsequently put a pay-per-view event, that he's not going to change his, uh, his schedule because once he's committed to something, and once he's committed to a club and say, I'll come and play your club, he's going to honor his word. He's not going to backtrack in any way, shape or form. So I wanted to get your guys thoughts of it. And in particular, the, uh, the fervent defense of Joe Rogan from, from pretty much everybody in the all all fighters uh, connected to, to the UFC in in, in a working capacity and and those outside it. I don't know if you even saw uh, big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson on their podcast, weighing in uh, defending Joe to the hilt. So I'm going to go with Kairos in this first because he passed me the mic uh, so gracefully with his uh, eff- effortless, this isn't even effortless, with his effortless trans- transition. Kairos, what are your thoughts on this? And okay, first of no, two-part question. Do you think that Trent had some valid points in that article? And and uh, part two of that, what's your thoughts on everybody coming to the defense of Mr. Joe Rogan? He just can't fucking help himself. We talked about this man months ago. We told his ass what he needed to stop doing. He didn't fucking listen. He said, all right, I'll try it out, guys. That lasted for one day. He stopped doing it for one fucking day. He doesn't listen. His Here's the problem. His points aren't valid because he's looking at it in the scope of, well, you compare it to your colleagues. Your colleagues are putting in more work, don't have as much leeway, and you get X, Y, and Z. His colleagues aren't bringing in what he's bringing in, A, his colleagues weren't in the UFC doing what they have been doing for the UFC for as long, B, and C, the way that you just went about talking about it seemed like it was just an attack, a personalized attack on him. You don't go against Joe in MMA. Joe and MMA are like the, you can't, even when you're right, you're wrong. You cannot go against him like that ever, ever. And I really feel like if Trent wanted to get his point across without getting absolutely crucified for it, he would have done it better. Like when you read the article, even when he's talking about Joe Rogan's accolades, he's, he puts in the $100 million uh, deal with Spotify in quotation marks, almost like a, this is what has been said. We can't confirm it type of shit. And it's just like, bro, I, I get that you were just so intent on telling the story, putting together research and wanting to make sure everything is in its right spot, but there's a right a wrong and a your way of doing things and your way your method does not is not received well by fans is not received well by fans because of your reputation this is one of those things your reputation precedes you and people are automatically going to scoff at whatever the fuck you do when he put out that article i remember seeing that shit i was like 
they're going to rip him a new asshole for this. When I saw it, I was like, they are going to rip him for the shit. I didn't comment on it. I didn't like shit about it. I just like, I'm not. I'm just going to read the comments over time. I'm going to check every hour to see what people say. Oh, here goes Trip with some more bullshit. Oh, like, I don't understand why he does this to himself. And if we're really going to talk about people getting special privileges and getting, do you think if a new reporter at Bloody Elbow was getting the, was getting the response this type of response from fans that Trent has been getting for the past few years, you think Bloody Elbow would keep them there? I don't know. I don't know if they would keep a, I don't know. But I I think I think they'd be gone. So for him to talk about someone's privilege and act like he doesn't receive privilege for his given position and how long he's been with Bloody Elbow is a little bit hypocritical. But that's just me. I think he he has points. He has points. They are not invalid. But you can't go about those points like that. You just can't. Just to pick up on something that you just said there, Kairos, having worked for Bloody Elbow, um, I think I did a stint there of 18 months. Loved it. And why I loved it is because it's a supportive environment where you're encouraged to speak your mind and uh, never mind how you speak. Just as long as you can back it up, the journalistic Mm. infrastructure, the integrity... And the framework is so entrenched into every single article that goes out. It's very robust. And I can say that as somebody who has worked for Bloody Elbow. So I think whoever was getting this amount of flack, whoever is getting this amount of blowback, whoever is getting this amount of feedback would have the same sort of support. Because like I say, that's what they're trying to foster. Ah. But underpinning all of that, journalistic integrity and if you look at the way in which Trent reports it's with the utmost integrity but with the utmost passion and in to a certain extent I'm envious I'm really envious of that I tell you why he doesn't give a shit what detractors say he doesn't care how people react because he's being true to Trent Rhinesmith and that I have to say is journo you know this yourself um, Chisanga, this is Journo Rule 101. Back it up with facts, active integrity. Now, for me, I didn't like the almost. Have any of you seen the Manchurian candidate with Denzel Washington? I've watched a long ass time ago, a long, long time ago. But it's, yeah. quick synopsis quick synopsis Denzel Washington comes back from a war. And he finds that his colleagues are all acting kind of strangely, but they've all got a kind of similar recollection of one incident. And the incident involved a soldier called Raymond Shaw. And when asked about Raymond Shaw, they all say exactly the same thing. Raymond Shaw is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most endearing individual that I've ever come across. And they all say the same thing. And it just reminded me of the lines which have been trotted out by Michael Bisping, by um, Daniel Cormier. It was almost in a sort of like uh, Manchurian candidate brainwashed fashion. Joe Rogan is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most endearing individual I've ever come across in my life. Did you not not clock that? Did you not not see that? Almost as though it was a concerted effort to kind of like manage the blowback and the blowout 
from Trent's piece? Am I the only person who made uh, that connection? I can I can understand and I can see I, I, I can see I, I can see why you'd say that. But at the same time, what we have to remember is that these people have had a long, long relationship with Joe as well. So maybe they're just c- coming to the defense of somebody who they who, who's a friend to them or, or what have you. But you know, I I, I completely I, I get I get what you mean. But because there have been instances, uh, whether it be in, in politics and particularly in, in, in the UK, whenever there's like blowback on the conservatives, the conservatives almost in unison will start tweeting the, the same, same line. Same line. <laughs> <laughs> but That's uh, good point. I, I, I agree. It definitely happens when it comes to mixed martial arts and, and the UFC, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, that's the case in this one, but I can see why you're drawing why you're drawing the parallels with it. But uh, yeah. oh no, I'll, I'll pass it back to you because I, I was going to say some shit. Actually, Mike, I think you're. I'm thinking about this right now. I think you're right. I if it either feels like they collectively were like when I imagine this, I think okay, Trent drops this article on Bloody Elbow and then he drops an excerpt on it on Twitter. The first thing I think is someone is in a group chat. I'm thinking Michael Bisping. So and so, so and so, so and so, so and so, and so and so, whatever, are in a Twitter group chat already. It felt like someone grabbed this and threw it into the group chat and be like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" And then they're all like, "Oh hell no, let's start tweeting." That's literally what it because it was way too. The tweets were way too within the same time frame for it to be just a coincidence. And yes, he's sure Joe has a personal relationship with these people. Sure, he's talked to him. Sure, he's visited through their career. But this this defense was. This defense was extremely like <laughs> they were together. This coordinated. candidate. Yes. This was this was coordinated. And it's unfortunate for Trent because I didn't know what I didn't know that about Bloody Elbow, about how it's just about being correct and having integrity. But I think too one thing, not even one thing, many things that Trent has done have been in the right, and he has been right. But because of the way that he words it and the energy that he brings towards the MMA fight game, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you say at a certain point unless people like people aren't open. People aren't the most open people in the world. So when you have a stigma to your name, it's it's not going to go well for you. And I think he needs to start writing some puff pieces. I said it already as a joke a few months ago. I, I'm dead ass serious. Write some fucking puff pieces because you never do that. You never do that. It's always like, oh, I gave credit to him. No, seriously, write some fucking puff pieces. Can I ask why? Because just to finish the point that I was making, I don't agree with Trent's piece. But what I do agree with is the spirited way in which he put together his argument, again, underpinned by integrity, again, underpinned by facts, didn't make anything up. And I think there's room in the MMA space for that. I just get sick and tired of the MMA puff pieces, which are designed to make sure that access keeps on happening, which are designed to ensure that you get invited to the next UFC presser. What, as I say, my issue with this whole thing was the defense. Now, as I keep saying and underlining it, I disagree with Trent. I don't actually have any positive or um, things that I can actually take away that I can say, yes, I stand with him here. But um, I don't think that he is a puff piece 
kind of guy and why should he be? No, 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 of, of course. I mean, I mean, again, one of the first, very first things, I remember my, uh, my, my first journalism lesson in Edinburgh Napier University at Craig Lockhart, like Craig Lockhart campus. One of the first things that they said in our, uh, in, our in, in, uh, in a slideshow presentation, uh, a PowerPoint presentation, they said, be true to yourself when it comes to opinions. Mm. Don't, don't water down your opinion or don't tailor articles just to, uh, just, just to stay in the good graces of, of, of the powers that be and whatever. So, yeah, I know I, again, I, 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 I love that Trent is just literally <laughs> no, no horse barred. He, he, he basically, he adopts a, a scorched earth policy to, um, to, to everything, but at the same time, I, I get Karis's po point. I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not advocating him to say, uh, to write puff pieces for the, for the sake of it, but potentially, well, I, I, I've, we're overseas. We're we're quick to see Trent criticize the UFC when when they rightly deserve criticism or, or what have you. But on the on the on the opposite side of the spectrum, we don't see any 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 praise when the UFC do do something good or or, or what have you. It might be a throwaway tweet or, or or what have you. But so then, like in the eyes of everybody else, he's just cast as oh yeah, this Mister anti UFC, anti Dana White, anti anti what what have you. So. Yeah, I, 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 I see merits to, 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 to Kairos's point, but again, I see, I see merits to yours. I mean, like, if you want to be that guy, Mr. Scorch Earth, which, which I, enjoy, I enjoy some of his, his pieces that he, that he puts out there, fucking stick to it, stick to it. But at the same time, if you're wondering why you're getting so much blowback, it's also because um, I don't want to say that he's not being balanced or, or, or what have you, because that's not necessarily it, but it's potentially because the public don't see you giving as much praise, well, giving praise when praise is due for when the UFC do certain things, but I, I, I don't know. But Let me just read this. Let me read this for you. Let me read this for you. Cause I've read a few of his articles. I've, okay, no, I've been reading a decent, since we started talking about him before the pandemic, I've been like reading through him. And he will give credit in the first sentence of his articles typically. And then the rest will be that. Same with, he'll do a throwaway tweet, if that. If that with the tweets thing, but it's typically he'll have, he'll give praise in the first one or two sentences, then he'll go on his way. Read, I'm going to read this article to you and tell me how it sounds. UFC 266 show Joe Rogan can and should be replaced. Now, the picture that he uses is a picture of John Anik and Paul Felder. What would you infer if you saw that? If you read that headline and saw that picture? They don't need Joe Rogan. He wasn't you missed by his absence. Would you, I, I infer, you would you infer that he's saying that John Anik and Paul Felder could replace Joe? If you did not I, read the article, if you I, did I, not I, read the article, saw that headline and saw that picture, would you infer he was saying John Anik and Paul Felder can replace Joe Rogan? Yeah, I, I can, I can, uh, I can see that because obviously, yes, as, as somebody who, who, um, who creates articles on WordPress every, every day, you you're strategic with the with the pictures that you put out there for for engagement. So, but again, I don't necessarily know if that was his. Uh, it, it's not his intention, but extrapolate that to the average MMA fan. Now, you're you're a journalist. You know social media. You know exactly what you're looking for. And even you were like, oh, I can kind of see it. Now, take away your knowledge, and apply and pretend to be someone else and look at that, who yeah. might not be as intelligent, who might not know what they're looking at. That's exactly what they're going to, they're not even going to read the article. They're going to look at that and be like, so you think John Hannigan, that's exactly how quick it can go south for you.
That's exactly how quick it can go south. <clears throat> you. And that's the that's the problem. I was let, let, to say. Let's not sugarcoat this, um, Chisanga. We both know that is the definite outcome that is being sought by the picture editor or editor or the journalist. Yeah. A picture paints a thousand words. You know this as a journalist. So that is a very strategic and deliberate um, uh, move to do that. Placement of the image, especially at the, at, at, at the top. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt because there have been instances in the past where, say, if I'm rushing up a story or, or what have you, I just grab any old stock image and I put it there. And then, but in the context of this article, it, 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 <laughs> I was going to say no. I was going to. I was going to. I was going to. I was going to. Um, have you have you watched Power? You know when yeah. uh, when when <laughs> when Tariq asked Kanan, "Oh, did my dad really do this?" <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to say that response. Yeah, he did. He killed your shit. He killed his fuck. Remember they said he did. He did that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to say that. But uh, and again. I saved this from having worked at Bloody Elbow. There were times where I would put pictures up for an article and one of the editors, um, I forget which one, would actually replace the picture mm. to make it more relevant and make it more, um, I thought at the time, make it more eye-catching to go with the headline. It, it's, it's, it's a strategic and deliberate decision. Yes. Well, so yes have, is the answer, Kairos. Well, that's why you have picture editors. That's why you have picture editors and yeah. papers and, and websites. They're there to select the images that, that engage the most and, and well, obviously convey the story. Yes, yes. Uh, first and foremost, but also engage. 100%. 100%. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I... I, I I love that he says it with his chest. I love it. But in in, in, in terms of, of uh, what Joe Rogan brings to to the sport of mixed martial arts, I mean, I I I'm, I'm not riding with him on on. You can't. You I, can't I, go to the. I'm not riding with him on. I, I don't think any of us are riding with him. Yeah. What what I do love is just that I remember in a formula former life when I was uh, doing the journalist beat at the at the Voice. Um, one of my mentors, because I then went on to work for Touch Magazine, one of my mentors at Touch Magazine, he was the managing director, editor, all rolled into one, said to me, there is no point in you pursuing a career in journalism if the story doesn't elicit an emotion in the person who is reading it. There is no point, mm. absolutely no point. And that is what, that is what Trent does. He elicits an emotion. This is classic journalism 101. When someone is reading that, they're either infused, enraged, there is an emotion which is touched. And I commend him for that. Like I say, disagree with him, but I commend him on his writing and his ability to touch people's emotions. Because that is what we're, we're, we're fundamentally talking about here. No, you're, you're, you're very right. And yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. No, I can understand why MMA fans have such a, such a, such a hard on for him, if you know what I mean, in terms of, <laughs> of them portraying him to to be Mister Negative and and what have you. But at the same time, somebody's got to hold the powers to that be in in the sport, whether it be the UFC, Bellator, PFL, or whatever, to account, and somebody has to 
state their opinion on it if they think that um, they're doing wrong. So fair, fair play to him. Like, um, yes, but that doesn't need to be his job all the time. You said, you said, you said they have to, you, your articles have to evoke emotion, but if your articles are only evoking one emotion at a certain point, that dwindles into, if all you make me feel is one way, that lessens the effect that I feel towards that emotion. So after you go for years and years of just evoking anger or outrage or dissonance within people, we're going to start to feel nothing. So you're, you're, you're choosing between the same result at the end of the day anyway. If, if nothing is not where you want to be and all you make us feel is one thing and, and we, get, we get used to that, you're in the same place. We're still left with nothing. You have to vary your attack. You have to change up how you do it. And the puff piece shit, I'm taking that back. He doesn't need to write puff pieces. He doesn't but he needs to figure out a different tone, yeah, a varying tone to how he gets his points across. Yeah, no, I, 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 get, what you, I get what you're saying because then, because if, if he was to continue in the same vein, and I think to a certain extent, this is already, <clears throat> I think he's, he's, he's kind of been, well, pigeonholed himself, if you know what I mean, that he's down this, like, yeah, he's yeah, he's essentially pigeonholed himself. And for those who don't know what pigeonhole means, basically he's uh, he's yeah. What, what's the fucking what's the, uh, the definition? He's basically he's uh, what the fuck am I trying to say? <laughs> fucking late ass. I'm a fucking journalist who's meant to have uh, uh, a, a very Has he painted himself into a corner. Yes, that's it. Essentially, <laughs> essentially. I'm a fucking journalist meant to have a wide vocabulary and shit, but I am fucking tired as hell today. It's been a long ass day. <laughs> what, 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 what I would say, you know what, Kairos? I, I've got serious misgivings about what you're, you're saying about Trent and the way that he should be as a journalist in terms of, and you, um, Kairos, uh, sorry, Chisanga, in terms of varying his tone. Why should he vary his tone? This isn't his first rodeo. This isn't the first time where he's um, drawn the ire of quote unquote fans stroke um, MMA enthusiasts. Now, Trent does what he does. He's found his lane. His lane is in the, <coughs> in the same vein, <coughs> excuse me, as Kareem Zidane. They both. What? They, I'm sorry. You, you can land. I'm sorry. I'll let you land. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I've got his name right. It's Kareem Zidane. Zidane yes. right? Shout out to Kareem. Shout out to Kareem. He has found his lane. Kareem has a certain track that he goes down, pursues, and stories which he writes. So has Trent. And I think that individuality amongst the sea of puff pieces, we've got more than enough of that in the library. I want a cerebral piece now and again, and that's where Kareem delivers, and that's where Trent delivers. But no, we're not talking about, like, no, they can have their niche, but he's talking about, as it pertains to Trent, he's talking about the, the tone, the, 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 the tone of the article. Yes, you can, you can be critical, but like, as, like, as, as uh, we'll use the Joe Rogan uh, article as a reference point. Now, I read that, and then afterwards, I kind of felt like it was a personal attack. You could, you could have said, you could have said, uh, you could his sentiment could have been echoed in 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 a much in in, in a much lighter way, to, to be honest. And like as Kyra said beforehand, when he put um, hundred million dollar Spotify deal, like in quotation marks, like it kind of 
it kind of felt as if it was maybe taking the gloss off the actual accolade and the achievement and what have you like as so yeah i i just think the tone yeah the 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 the, the subject matter, yes, of course, we don't want we don't want him or Kareem to change to change that whatsoever. But I was just saying, like with with as, as it pertains to Trent, it's it's the tone that Kairos and I were referring to. Yeah, Kareem but tonality goes example. tonality goes hand in hand though with Trent's brand values, and his brand values is touch the heart of the reader, and I, I subscribe to that. Those are the tenants of Woe TV. No, I get no, 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 watching I get, a video if you don't like the tone, because the tone is meant to evoke an emotion. I get that to it. I get that to a certain extent. But if he doesn't want to be seen as just this Mr. Negative guy and, and what have you, I think he could just convey it in a different way. Um, now, am I saying that, that that I want him to do that and that he should do that? No. Like, as, as you say, like. I mean, the whole the whole premise of this podcast is shots fired. We don't fucking we don't we don't mince our words. But Thank you. We just fire from the hip. But I mean, it, well, as a journalist as well, and as a content as a content creator, you guys will say that it's good to vary up your approach. It's good to approach things with a with a with with a with a fresh methodology. You can't just be doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the same results. Eventually, as Cairo said, if, well, we use the example, example of Trent, if Trent just continues to do, keep doing things this way, it's not going to have the, the desired effect on people. People are just going to automatically tune, up, tune out. So you can apply that to content creation. Trent is a journalist. He can do this until the end of time. Because it's, I don't think that people are going to suddenly become immune to Trent's writing and it's not going to have the, the, the effect. It is going to have the same effect because what's underpinning his writing is touching the emotional core of those people who read. Content creation and journalism, I think, are two distinct strands of actually getting people's attention. No, I, 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 I agree with that to, to, to a certain extent. But yeah, I... I still think that a different a different approach every now and then. Even even like myself, like with when when I used to have the column or what have you, I got like for the first six months I had this regimented way of writing and 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 what have you, and regimented way about going and getting my stories. But eventually, I stepped out of my comfort zone and I started changing things. So I I, I think he can keep the sentiment, keep like keep keep the sentiment. We don't we like I think we should preface this. We don't want you to change who you are and your, your and your uh and i was about to say your constant attacks but it's not constant attacks we, uh, and and we don't want you to uh, to change your the your 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 subject matter your your favorite subject matter but i i i think from time to time to to, to vary things up to vary the approach and maybe be a bit more mindful of the no, no, no. In fact, scratch that bit for a mindful thing. Just vary up to a certain extent. That's that. That's what I mean. But as I said beforehand, stick with the subject matter. Stick stick with the with the with the no hold bars. But maybe just weave. Uh, I don't know. You you get you get the point that I'm trying. Let to Let me let you bringing up Kareem is the perfect example. You don't think Kareem is critical? The man he goes after the Dagestani boys. Exactly. He goes after the Dagestani boys every single day. He gets mm. death threats, but the overall percentage approval rate is in the 90s, probably for him. 
He's probably sitting in the 90s and it's the 10% of the people who he's talking about where it's like, oh my goodness, because the way and the tone of how he writes it. Trent could write anything that is sitting in the 10 to 15% approval rate. Why? Because of his tone. The difference between boiling water and not boiling is one degrees. And for some strange reason, he makes sure he implements that one every single time to get people boiling. It's not just the way he writes the articles. It's the way he interacts with people online. It's not just the way that he, like, all of these things that he is doing is the result and the weight of what he has been doing through social media, through his articles, and how he approaches things. When kids are acting stupid, on like, his, it's never too late to turn things around. That's the point that I'm getting at. It's never too late to turn things around. And for us to assume or for him to assume what he's doing is the right course of action or the perfect course of action is pretty closed-minded because assume essentially you're saying you're a finalized product and you're perfect and there's nothing that you can improve upon or change and last time i checked nobody's perfect and everybody needs to improve upon something so we're just trying to give you these quick pointers on what may or may not help you i've been on inmate twitter long enough to know that trent ryan swift had about seven eight thousand followers at one point he's sitting at three thousand and some change eight thousand he had seven to 8,000 at one point, maybe six, but he had twice the amount that he's sitting at right now. How did he manage to... Exactly, but nobody wants to talk followers. about that. that Are nobody. You sure? Yes, I have been... Yes, yes. He had. He has had twice the amount that he is sitting at right now. And why did it dwindle to half the audience? Because of the way that he engages people. Sure, also, he's blocking people and going on blocking sprees. That plays yeah. a factor into it as well. Sure, people were blocking him, but the net result is still the same. The way he is interacting with people, the tone of what he is doing, and the people that he is targeting, these are way too many accumulating blows. You need to cut something off or change one thing, or essentially, you are going to be so confined to an area that nothing you do to change the situation is going to change the situation. We're trying to help you before you get to DEFCON 5 right now. We tried to do it last year. You did it for 24 hours, Trent. Try and do it for 48 next time. Try and do it for 72 next time. I think Trent likes it at DEFCON 5. I, I don't think certain. I think there's a certain um, bit of cathartic relief that he gets from actually jettisoning all of those haters because he seems quite content to continue along the track that you and I, uh, G and Chisanga were talking about last year. Nothing he doesn't strange. like that shit. And he should be commended for that. He doesn't like it. You want to know how I know he doesn't like it? Okay. He would, if he liked it, he wouldn't be blocking spree people. He And also, what do creators love more than anything? Their art, their medium, what they put out into the world. When people constantly tear down upon what you put your fiber and soul into, and you can tell he puts a lot into this. You can tell that he takes the time to do this. When people constantly have something negative to say about the medium that you express yourself, that is taxing. Whether it's taxing on the front end, in the middle, or in the end. He's been at it for years of receiving this negative feedback to the point where he responds with apathetic responses or he's blocking you. He definitely cares and it definitely gets to him whether or not he wants to admit it or not because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. I like to think of myself as a pretty strong mental person, but if I was getting what Trent was getting day after day for 700 plus days, boy, oh, you better believe it'd be getting to me. And he does not like it. And I'm just telling you right now, I'm telling you this right now. If he does not stop doing this or change something, 
we're going to be revisiting this conversation because he's going to, I'm not going to speak that into existence. We're going to be revisiting this conversation. I beg to differ. I tell you why I kind of see where um, people like Trent, people like uh, Karim and to a certain extent, people like G get the hate based on being true to themselves, having experienced it myself. And what seems to keep them going, I can, I can, I can subscribe to this and I can um, bring myself into this by way of example, is I don't give a shit what you tweet in response to a John Jones video, which I put up of him hunting down with a semi-automatic rifle. I, I had a taste of what G goes through, a taste of what Trent goes through for a whole week. And it was apathy. I didn't block anybody. I just read every single comment and laughed. I read every single disparaging uh, comment about me not knowing what I was talking about and that I was stirring up this and you know what I was doing as incendiary. I laughed. I found it hilarious. Okay. Had Bye. no effect on me at all. Okay. I, I don't think you can really toss Kareem into in, in, into that aspect of the conversation because what he's doing, and I've I've said this before, and I I, I truly do believe this. I, I, I yes, I have the title of a journalist, but I'd say the only true journalist in mixed martial arts is Kareem Zidane, who, who delves into uh, a plethora of of issues and highlights a, a, a number of issues that many people are afraid to touch with the with, with the barge pole. But I think he just does it because he just wants to inform the world of what's going on. In particular, with I don't know if you've been uh, keeping up with his, uh, his pieces on the rise of neo-Nazism and yes, uh, very uh, informative, very important, very important stuff. But he's he's not doing that just for the um, for, for for the accolades or for the reaction. He's doing that because it's a subject that needs to be put out there, and the mixed martial arts community needs to know that he's doing his journalistic duty to do that. So I don't necessarily think it's like it just in the, the, the last certain uh, aspect that you were talking about. I don't think that his, his inclusion is, is warranted, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> as, as, as you said, well, Trent invokes emotion and he's invoked emotion from, from, from all of us. And to be honest, as, as I said, I do enjoy reading some of his, some of his takes, a lot of people. And, and I think it's sad. I think, I think one thing that Trent is a victim of is a victim of the laziness of people nowadays. And what I mean by that is people will just read the headline and <laughs> repeat the three parts, and then they will they'll they'll, they'll they'll what you call it they'll form their opinion off of that. For all you for like for for all you know, like Trent could have put. I'm really I'm a really big fan of Joe Rogan. I like everything he's done for for the sport at the bottom of the piece, right? But I get and I guarantee you 90% of the people, maybe we'll say maybe three quarters of the people would uh, wouldn't have read that because they would have just read the headline and the first the first paragraph well in this instance for this story and would be like, "Oh, this motherfucker blah 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 hates Joe, Joe Rogan Robert Lee." Yeah, so I think he, I think he's sadly a victim of that and I think uh his his approach has uh, has 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 played has, has played a part in that, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a shame because nowadays again people are just becoming fucking lazy, and I, I think I think right I I think potentially for him he he might have a bit better he might be better off doing this like video pieces piece to cameras just like just speaking speaking his uh speaking his truth or speaking he his, does that. 
Yeah. Oh, does he? Does he yeah. do that? Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's called um, Come On Now. Okay, but I think I think maybe he needs to keep pushing that to the fore because I, 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 for one, haven't, haven't, haven't seen enough. But uh, if I think if he keeps pushing that to the fore because obviously when you're reading when you're reading articles, just like when you're when you're having a conversation with somebody on WhatsApp or via email or what have you, like your tone can be misconveyed and mis misconstrued and misinterpreted. So I think if he was to do that a bit more, I think people would truly, uh, well, get 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 to know him and would would realize that he's not this negative Nancy all the time. But uh, yeah, so I, if if uh, if it was my if I was advising him or whatever, not that my advice means fucking shit in the world, but I'd just say maybe just put like a, like a, like with your, with your videos, uh, with, with your articles, put like embed a video of you talking about, um, about Joe Rogan and, and what have you. So then people can interact with you in a bit more of a, of a personal level. It's a, it's a lot more personal uh, doing, doing, doing video pieces or even just like audio pieces and with uh, audio opinion pieces. So I think maybe, yeah, you could, you could benefit from doing that. <laughs> okay fellas i think we've done this to death i had no idea that we were going to be this passionate <laughs> about trent ryan smith I, I i i hadn't actually affected this as the the major talking point but just before we go this coming weekend uh we have ufc action and on the docket is mackenzie dern versus marina rodriguez to be honest with you i'll just put my cards firmly on the table having put a cursory glance through this fight card thank god that we've got fury wilder three this weekend because that's where i'm going to be investing my time i can't wait for that matchup i think fury is going to do it um do some serious damage i just don't feel as though um I don't think Deontay Wilder is, is, is on his level. I don't think Deontay Wilder brings anything that, um, first of all, Fury has never seen before. And I see, I see Fury being more the consummate boxer, the, 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 the sniper professional. And he's not like a one-hitter quitter because that's how I see Deontay Wilder. If he lands, it's over for you. Yeah, no, I, I, that, 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 that's, that's very true, but... Come on, man! You've got you got to be rooting rooting for Deontay as well. You got to be. No, I'm, I'm rooting to this day. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I'm big fan big fan of Tyson Fury. Uh, he's a phenomenal advocate for for mental health, and I don't know um, if a lot of people know this. He's just signed up to be an ambassador for the Frank Bruno uh, of, uh, Association. Well, Amazing. Oh, yeah, he has. He has. Uh, but just to throw a fucking spanner into the works. Just to throw another spanner to the works, I'd love for Deontay to win. I, re I, re I really would. And like, if he doesn't, and if he doesn't as well, that <laughs> this brother would have got beat up in two, not one, but two Black History Months. He lost to Fury <laughs> in Black History Month in last, Fe last February, and he have not been <laughs> and it's Black History Month here in the UK. Oh, this man. brother cannot lose. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't base my uh, my fight picks on race. I base my fight picks on the people who who, who I connect with, who I have, and who and who I think are the better athletes. But yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty shit for Deontay to get beat twice in two different Black History Months. But you know, you remember the excuse that he came out with his uh, his costume was heavy, too heavy. Too heavy. <laughs> so Mark Ramondi just tweeted. Uh, 
that he will be wearing another costume and talking about Black History Month. So uh, Deontay Wilder will, will walk out for a trilogy battle with Tyson Fury in a costume heavy in red and black colors with important African fa fabric to, in homage to his Nigerian's Edo tribe. This brother can't lose now. You, you can't lose. Like, you put in so much pressure on yourself, right? Do you, do you know what I mean? The ancestors, oh, oh bro, you've, you've invoked the spirit of the ancestors, bro. And now, oh, man. <laughs> Am I right in thinking, though, Kairos, that, you know, in terms of, like, combat action this coming weekend, uh, am I misplaced in um, where am I going to be putting my energies uh, with Deontay Wilder and Fury? Or, or have you got your eye on something in particular UFC uh, this coming weekend? You know me personally. I'm not a huge boxing guy. I mean, sure, I'll watch that fight, but I'm not going to watch the whole boxing card. I just, I can't. But... Um, on the actual UFC card, I'm I'm interested to see Sabina Mazo versus Maria Gapova. It's been a year since Maria. It's been a year since Maria fought, and she was dealing with her own personal issues. And Sabina's back down from bantamweight after losing to Alexis Davis. So I'm actually interested in that fight. But um, other than that, I can't really think off the top of my head what else they have. But I'm just not a boxing guy. Yeah, uh, Phil Hawes versus Darren Wynn. That's gonna be a good fight. Oh my gosh, no! Darren Wynn gets me all. Move down a weight class. Get a dietitian. Yeah. Get over the weight. He's yeah. fighting a middleweight. He can make it to welterweight, bro. He's just lazy. Oh, my God. Just like Kelvin Gaslam could be a welterweight. But they're so lazy. They are so... Bro, you're going to... I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. <laughs> okay. All right. Who are we picking for the, for the, for the main event? I, I I'm not gonna lie. I'm apathetic. I'm just gonna pick one. Uh, I'm going with Mackenzie Dern. Bruv. I mean, unless you can get this to the ground, I mean, it, it could be a, a repeat of the uh, uh, Marina Rodriguez against uh, Amanda Ribas in uh, on Fire Island. Because yeah, she uh, Marina's mm. got them hands. She got she got them hands on. So yeah. Karen? If Mackenzie can't get it down, I'm going with, yeah. I'm not, in fact, I'm, I'm going with Marina. Marina. Oh, Marina. Okay. Karis? The way the Marina fought Carla, I don't I don't feel right pick. I, I respect Marina's abilities. I'm going to go with Mackenzie. I just, I think she can't stop people from closing the distance. All right. Okay. Well, that wraps up another episode of Shots Fired. Our hosters, uh, <laughs> our holsters are non-existent because <laughs> I've been still shooting when I had my holster kind of like shored up with flipping, you know, the AK-47 or the, the, the revolver that I had in there. So my, my, my holster is finished. But thank you, gentlemen. It's been, as always, amazing chopping it up with you. We'll be back next week after this coming weekend's fight action. Peace, people. Take it easy. Boom. Alright, that was that was, that was that was a good episode. That was a good episode.